This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay. Okay, looks like we're on. <laughs> I am here with Matthew Ottman, a local Sedonite. Sedonite, yes. He's been Sedonid for 10 years now. I Pretty think. close, yeah. Been here almost 10 years. <laughs> and um, we know each other by hanging around water. Hanging around water. Seems like you hang around water. Uh, maybe more, I would say maybe more than anyone I've seen in this town, <laughs> actually, uh, including myself. I, Susie, a, a guest, I'm not sure, yeah, I think her podcast will be before this. So her, me, seem to be competing with you, but I think you are taking the trophy of most time spent near water. Lately, yes, I've sort of made it a practice in these hot months to, to spend a lot of time in the special spring spot we go to. Um yeah, I I was spending less time there, and I realized that you know there wasn't really a better use of my time at the moment. <laughs> it's a pretty magical spot. I feel better for spending more time there. Yeah, is there? I'd love, I'd love to even to hear more about that. Is there? How long have you been hanging around Springwater? Um, what's your philosophy around it? How might? How important it might be for other people to consider? hanging out at least a fraction of the time that you hang out at Springwater? Um, well, you know, I mean, hanging out in nature in general, right, is, like, pretty much uh, highly beneficial for, for anybody. And, uh, you know, springs are, I don't, unlike a lot of Sedonites, I don't tend to get uh, overly woo-woo about stuff. I feel like there's, um, I don't know, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of a, this is part of a great, much greater topic for me which is you know the kind of stories that we tell ourselves and why we tell ourselves stories um and how useful they are and you know are they are they actually serving us or are they kind of leading us into uh you know more traps as i would put it um are they bringing us closer to ourselves are they bringing us into more integration or are they another crutch of some sorts that's actually, you know, causing disintegration within ourselves or, you know, uh, you know, are we holding on to them to support parts of ourselves that aren't, aren't the real parts of ourselves? Or... Okay. I like that story time. I, uh, I, I think one of my favorite defin definitions of a tribe is a group of people telling stories around the light to be less afraid of what's in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting like where do our stories come from is 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 a big thing right like uh, i mean how many of the ideas that you see circulated around um can you trace to certain books or something that might be like seminal ideas that were put into the culture but you can see where they came from or you have ideas and a lot of people have fed off of those and yet uh what's the actual root of those things like do they are are they true in and of themselves like they've seeded all of these things and we have you know, long, uh, I don't know, in the new age in particular, you can trace back many of the concepts and where they came from. Um, and I don't, I don't think that they are, uh, I think they speak to us for a reason, but I don't think that they are, you know, they certainly have no monopoly on, you know, something that's more real than, uh, you know, than other stories or other truths or, or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a 
vast topic <laughs> to get into. Well, uh, I've heard also. I've heard. I've also heard that the devil is in the details, and I've heard <laughs> that the devil is a fallen angel. So maybe we can give that fallen angel some wings by making. Uh, can you give us like a detailed example? Of like maybe a particular story that a lot of people could relate to to um, give more clarity of what you might be alluding to. Well, what I'm what I'm really talking about is is I'm I'm into simplicity, um, in in a sense, like stripping down the, you know, the wheat from the chaff or whatever. However, whatever your analogy is or whatever else is, you know, how much um, we are often attracted and adopt ideas because they sound good to us. Um, they speak to a certain part of us. A lot of times, you know, we come from a story that, uh, you know, our cultural narrative is feels oppressive. And then we have a glimpse of a different way of looking at the world and we jump at it. Um, but it's... Uh, I wish there was a better concept for it. I think like in Buddhism or they have like the, I think there was an analogy, whether or not the Buddha said it, that was the idea of removing a thorn with a thorn and you just end up with two thorns. So, you know, to get away from or to balance out one story that isn't, doesn't serve us and doesn't um, really touch, you know, the richness of our feeling of what the world or life is really about. We use another thing that speaks more to that expansive reality, but it doesn't necessarily, but it isn't necessarily the thing either, you know, and, and, and discernment is a very important value that I feel like gets lost a lot um, in the, let's say yes to everything. Let's say yes to all the, all the feel good new agey ideas. Um, you know, there's, there's a, yeah, there's traps in that we can we can delude ourselves with what sounds good, but it doesn't necessarily bring us closer to truth. <clears throat> what I'm thinking about now is, which is a big topic of, I think, a lot of these conversations or communications is the menu versus the meal. Yeah, yeah, so that's uh, general semantics, right? Yeah, so the map is not the territory, the menu is not the meal, um, the yeah this can the truth be spoken uh okay so <laughs> no <laughs> absolute truth can't be spoken and most of what can be spoken is relative truth so um relative truth uh relative truth it's true when you're looking at it through a certain lens in a certain context but you zoom out or you zoom in or you look from somewhere else and it doesn't necessarily even hold meaning anymore let alone it's not an issue of true or false it just doesn't even make sense without the context around it um, language itself is a lens you know our, our whole concept of knowledge and whatever else is usually you know our understanding of the world is couched in the language that we've been raised in and then there's that which is unexpressible and not graspable by the mind it's the ineffable Right. So mystical experience and everything else, um, you know, there's a much greater apprehension of reality that incorporates the paradoxical nature of reality. But in speaking, especially absolute truth, you can't because it is paradoxical. Right. We live in a world of duality. So if you want to. Uh, to me, it's like any time you want to assert 
you know, this is the way it is, you invoke the other side. You invoke the rest. You invoke the context in which, okay, wait, but that's not that's not the whole story. Um, so so <laughs> I like, yeah, this is getting into deep waters pretty fast, I'd say. Um, so what do you think speaking is for? Um, okay, so, w I mean, what's this whole experience for? So uh, there's... Uh, I mean, we can speak about this in a lot of realms. Like we're here, we're doing this. We're like, we're maybe we want to just, you know, uh, have have fun, whatever it is. Like we're here for an experience. Mm -hmm. You know, there there nobody knows the actual point. Lots of people want to tell you they know the point. Maybe um, most of those people, I feel like, want to sell you something. You know, the people I trust are the people who admit that they don't really know what's going on. Mm. I think there's some there's a beauty in be able to be comfortable in the mystery. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because we just kicked off our round of, our recent round of facilitator training, which is me subconsciously trying to sell people something, you know, the next <laughs> round. <laughs> but I was, I, I was really going into a rant of when I hear someone tells me they're certain or they know something, I hear bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I think that doubt is faith. I think doubt is the other side of the coin of faith. So when someone says they're 100% certain about something, it, to me it doesn't sound so faithful. And I don't know what life, it, I don't know how to navigate life without faith. And it seems delusional. For me, it seems delusional to be 100% certain about anything because, and I, I've had a lot of people on my podcast to talk about knowing, and I'm interested in that because, because I, I don't know if they know. If I, if I knew they didn't know, then I would be as... <laughs> contradicting as I'm judging them to be, <laughs> which is fine. I, I judge my judgments. I'm not condemning them for that. I'm just curious and unraveling all this as well, maybe. And um, I've learned certain things that changed the way I understood everything. So if that's happened to me once or twice or three times or four times, how do I know what I'm going to learn next might not prove everything, everything I thought I knew wrong? Yeah, yeah. And if you're on a good path i think that's that's the nature of it right what you think you knew yesterday hopefully you are you have a more expansive view than you did then otherwise you know are you are you growing you know if your if your convictions are the same as they were 10 years ago like what what's what's changed is your life richer for those convictions is you know um yeah I, it's a understanding is an evolving process hopefully our you know yeah hopefully we continually see the world differently and hopefully it's a richer world because of that you know i think certainty takes some of that richness out of the world um but i think certainty is really a defense mechanism um uh, i don't i don't mean Are you to certain go, about that <laughs> <laughs> i don't mean to go back to buddhism or whatever but there's a concept of like basically like uh um groundlessness like um contextualness like i i feel like when we're in a true creative state, for instance, or whatever else, it's not about um, it's not about what came before or whatever else that might feed whatever it is. But a spontaneous arising has nothing to do with what you believe or what you know your your framework, um, mystical experiences or whatever. Like I feel like a lot of um, a lot of the weird information comes out is, you know, you have an ineffable experience. You have something where you see beyond um, the constraints of your own uh, perceived isolation, your own identity, your own ego, however you want to see it. Um, but then 
you come back and try to couch whatever that experience was in whatever framework you have. And, and invariably, like, you lose the essence of what it was. Like, you're trying to bring it to people. You know, this is where, uh, you know, uh, religions, all these things, like, there's so many things that were based on somebody had this amazing experience somebody came down brought these teachings down and then it becomes like this dead thing you know like the life isn't there anymore like that wasn't like it wasn't the teachings of whatever enlightened master who like they didn't have their own teachings that catapulted them to wherever they ended up you know they went to this place and then tried to like convey it do you think it's more likely that they were able to have these profound experiences that other people study as like teachings because they were willing to ignore everyone else? Do you think there's a correlation with that? Okay, yeah, so con being like I <laughs> yes, uh being a contrary person I think is can be extremely valuable. There's a lot of it's difficult to find somebody who's contrary. Um these ideas are passed around in other circles, but um how many people can hold to a contrary opinion when everybody around them disagrees and it's very few right it's it's difficult like peer pressure whatever level like you know conformity like we want to fit in we want to belong um we want the you know respect of our peers whatever it is like we want acceptance and yet you know, I think the big innovators and the most creative people are the ones who are willing to say, you're all wrong. Like, I'm actually going to go out and, you know, prove it. <laughs> um, do you consider yourself to be that? And who, who, do you consider anyone else that you know or have know of to be that um, or close to that? Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm certainly not holding myself up as a, you know, great example of, you know, anything necessarily. Like, and I think that's a trap to Oh, look at, look at me. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm contrarian by nature. I don't know that it's, you know, some, uh, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's part of me. I'm more likely to say no to things than to say yes. And I believe that some of the people who say yes are wonderful, amazing people. And I kind of wish I had a little bit more of that sometimes. Um, however, like, uh, you know, just going back, you know, I think it's all, uh, you know, a great many people, like you look at Einstein's, you look at, you know, all these, like the, everybody who's made a great breakthrough has essentially gone, gone against the grain at some point, you know, you don't get to a new territory. Like, um, it's one of the reasons why, uh, why stagnation tends to develop in a lot of places is because we're on, you know, people and back to the story thing, like people are comfortable when they're certain, um, People want to know how things are. It makes us feel safe. You know, it makes us feel like we have a grasp, like, like we, we have some control over what's going on because we understand it. And it's difficult to step into the unknown. Um, it's difficult to step, you know, basically not have a ground to stand on, like to, 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 yeah, to be out there and exploring and to not know. I guess that's the only way the bird will fly, find its wings, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, to to birth a world, 
you must destroy a world. It's a <laughs> mystical axiom. Okay, for something uh, just a little bit more uh, literal for, for a moment now that we're uh, 15 minutes into that, <laughs> into the roots of the roots of the roots. Um, for you, you mentioned that you are semi-retired, or like how you mentioned, like you don't have. Like you're spending all this time at Springwater. Yes, so I don't. Many people are like, "What? What is this guy? Does this guy just sit, sit in the spring all day and think about these things?" <laughs> or like, "Who are you?" Uh, maybe they want to know some more literal things. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm into exploring ideas because you know, as I said, I don't have something particular to promote. So like, you know, if uh, people are, I have nothing against people knowing me, and yet, um, you know, it's also not a about me you know like so yes i um i am i have managed to get myself to a place where i do not have to hold a regular job i mean neither do you but um you know but it's different i uh yeah i got into a uh, the biomat business and collect some residual income and and really i've live a relatively simple lifestyle so i don't have a ton of excess money to do whatever i want but um but I'm happy having the time that I have because I have things that are very important to me to cultivate. So I've talked about, you know, I do um, internal martial arts, which is really important to me. So I spend many hours a day, you know, practicing strange esoteric things. Um, many hours a day practicing strange esoteric things. Yes. Can you explain some of those? Um, and, and we'll pretend that, uh, we got back to the crazy part of the conversation earlier, um, or the crazier part potentially. I also believe I also have a tendency to think that whenever anyone speaks they're lying somewhat <laughs> like including myself there's like and I sure. say that because I'm looking at trees and it's as the leaves of the tree that are facing south versus the leaves of the tree that are facing north versus the ones that are east versus the one that are tucked into the bushes versus the ones that are on the outside versus the one at the top versus the one at the bottom yeah they're all report maybe talking about their experience but to think that they're that what they can say is true for the other leaves sounds a little bit like a lie and without and that's okay yeah yeah and um i would say some of that leads to uh, you know i'm a big proponent of uh integration so you know trying to trying to have all of you say the same thing you know like try you know i think um like you said, people who speak like they know what's going on or whatever you have an inherent distrust of them to some degree um but we trust people who have authenticity, who are true to themselves. Yeah, I, I like that clarity. I, I do like. I don't think that just because someone's telling their truth, they're bullshitting, or they believe they, they believe they're saying they're bullshitting. I do, but I do. Th I, I honor, and I do think that maybe the closest thing to honesty and transparency is like accurately reporting what's happening for them. Yeah. Without maybe a projection agenda, or an agenda to convince but more to explore out loud. And that's one of the aims of this podcast. If anyone is thinking that I'm here to teach you anything, I'm not so certain about that. If anything, maybe I can inspire you to explore out loud as well and accurately report what's happening for you because that's I think that's most of my aim. And it sometimes it's not. You know, I probably withhold certain information if I think <laughs> if I think it could get me in trouble with the matrix or maybe it could incriminate someone I really love and care for. So I also admittedly don't say everything accurately as I can, but I think I am up there. If I'm going to judge myself to be a percentile, 99 percentile of transparency about myself, and I don't know about y'all. 
but I trust I'll inspire to y'all to tell me more about you in an accurate way <laughs> and you too. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I think it's clear, you know, you have people listening to you coming to hear you and it's not necessarily because, yeah, like you're telling them how to be, but because, you know, because you do have an air of authenticity because, and like that leads people to be able to trust you, you know, oftentimes telling people that you don't know is more trustworthy than telling people you've got everything figured out because that's inherently dubious, right? Like, it's like, do you really like, um, and how boring would that be? Exactly. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So back to the uh, weird hours of weird. Oh, so hours practice. of esoteric practice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, internal martial arts is a uh, widely misunderstood um, topic, um, and there's only so much I can like say about it that it would be meaningful to people. Like, there's there's lots of different layers. There's physical layers, in which case you're you're really trying to um, embody integration like physically like a lot of the you have intrinsic strengths of your body you have your your connective tissue is vastly stronger than any muscle tissue you have in your body speaking of your beard is rubbing against the microphone a little bit oh. and that's adjustable just so people get a little less won't, won't. Santa scratching yeah, give you weird weird audio <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no keep going keep going um, yeah so so uh yeah the fascial system is a system that goes like is everywhere and ever present and it's actually relatively new uh, speaking in medical terms that it's sort of uh, more understood a lot of the mechanical um the mechanical like pulley idea like the way that the musculoskeletal system was seen in the west at least was vastly outdated it didn't really take into account that there's like a um in like an uh what's his name um i don't know anatomy trains all that there's um i'm totally spacing the guy's name but there's a concept of tensegrity which is basically that the body is uh the body is supported structurally as a whole by every other piece um we are not taught uh particularly like integrated methods of movement from seeing other people like there's very few people who move in a natural way um you know at least one of my teachers talks about uh, a lot of this stuff as being the way that ancient peoples moved you know um if you see a wild animal move there's no there's a economy of motion and you know chimpanzees can rip car doors off their hinges like um they have and it's not based on them having giant biceps or whatever. It's that they are integrated units and they have, they've been, they swing from trees all day long. So their connective tissue is insanely strong and they can utilize it to greatest effect. So, uh, you know, this comes from China where long before internet and TV and all of this stuff, people had lots of time on their hands to explore their own bodies. And, you know, yoga is a similar thing, you know, there's lots of these traditions which unfortunately uh, um in modern times a lot of it has gotten lost because there's so many distractions but you know but there's in ages past there's generations of people who you know spent a lot of time exploring what they were capable of in various contexts and developing really interesting arts around them and in china you know martial arts were big and um people actually did have to fight to protect themselves and and there was also you know certain status things involved and um 
and people who were very good were highly revered and whatever style they studied was exalted to whatever thing. Um, and that's part of it, but there's always, you know, unique individuals who are able to take things to another level. Um, so, um, yeah, as I said, without getting into details, among other things, I see it as a process of deep introspection. Like, um, I say I practice a lot, um, apparently in Chinese, one of the, it's more, the concept is that you're studying, you're studying your own body, you're studying the way that it works. Um, and you are, yeah, trying to bring yourself into greater integration. And there's, uh, unique abilities that these people have and other things, which originally attracted me, but I think a lot of the actual, um, a lot of the actual practice is, is, is study, is introspection. You know, it's a, um, it's a form of meditation in the sense that you, you are trying to retrain your body and you're trying to become aware of the things that you're doing that are superfluous. You're trying to, um, uh, yeah, you're just trying to get deeper into yourself. So it's metaphorical as well as, you know, as literal. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good reminder. I, what's coming up for me is I remember this book I read from I think it's Dr. James Moody called Life After Life. I'm not sure if you've ever heard this, and it was it's a a collection of stories from this doctor that studied people that had were technically dead for a certain period of time. Okay, and found the patterns of like without them cooperating with each other, what were they saying that was the same, and what were they saying that was the different? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, I mean, there was like a buzzing, a light, kind of a light of a tunnel. Uh, but the the message, a lot of people left. And they did see, a lot of people saw different versions of what they believed to be God. So maybe some people saw Allah, maybe some people saw Jesus or whoever maybe they symbolized to be the creator. Well, and my question, you know, going back to earlier is, did they have an ineffable experience that they then that when they that's, came back yep that's the number one thing they had the the number one the first thing was they had a very challenging time even talking about it yeah so that that was he admitted this is a major issue with the study that most people didn't they claimed they didn't have the words because they saw colors and things they've never seen they, they, they didn't know how to put it into words but when they tried a lot of them came with a renewed sense of like what i remember was learning and loving they wanted to learn and to love yeah and we've uh, yeah, that's and back to I mean those psych uh, the, those experiences are very common with psychedelics as well, right? Entheogens, like, well, I mean the reason why the word entheogen became popular is uh, is that idea, like having some direct contact with divinity or whatever that looks like to you, and it changes you. And the learning about ourselves, I think, is uh, how, especially in today's current culture, with the ra- the rampant rise of rise of technology. And I'm a, I, I think I'm a bit of a linguologist. I like to look at words and technology take knowledge from me. Maybe is technology taking knowledge from me? And especially if if I use it as a weapon rather than a tool. And I just I'm enjoying the reminder that. As much as I could study whatever, whether it's from audiobooks or podcasts or just mindlessly scrolling on Instagram, <laughs> those are all, they all have their benefits. But what about taking that much time or at least that much time to just look at my body parts or look at my organs or figure out what I'm made of or learn about me? Like looking at me, 
can I look at me as, with as much fascination as I can look at the newest iPhone? And I'm talking to you too, whoever you are. <laughs> and I think that's a with kid like with my and the daughter. My daughter's growing; she's two, and she's growing up in this world where I'm not sure how many people are. I'm not sure if many people are as fascinated with their own bodies as they are with what's coming on their iPhone. Yeah, and that's a, you know, and the transhumanism is the is the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Where people just are like, "Can I get out of this thing?" Like, can my mind exist outside of my body? Which I think is a is a futile and and not a, an enriching idea at all. Because I think our bodies are we don't understand. Like you know, people who want to think that their body is just their brain. Like we have intelligence in all of our body, and that intelligence reads things in different ways and experiences things in different ways. Um, most Eastern cultures will criticize the West as being very uh, head centric as far as, you know, having our identity and our, you know, identifying with our thoughts as being, you know, paramount. Whereas, yeah, so this definitely touches back to what I'm talking about with the internal martial arts, which is that you're, and also the story thing and how to, and where that is superfluous. So, we can have a very rich sensate experience, experience with our senses. And that's, you know, mentioning your daughter or whatever, you know, you can look at a child and see them full of wonder. They don't have thoughts and language yet, but they have a fascinating relationship with what's going on around them. And what about uh, silence? Have you ever practiced silence? Um, what do you think about that practice? Yeah, I mean, I you know, silencing the mind, I think, is extremely important and spending as much time in personal silence and silence and stillness are, you know, are somewhat synonymous. Um, You know, it's one of the reasons, you know, why you sit for meditation, be very still, you know, just trying to contact stillness, I think is a very profound practice. Um, I think uh, this, touches on a variety of things i it's very it's maybe impossible to actually like silence your mind completely not it's not impossible you can touch on it but you can't actually tell your mind to stop um so i've had this debate i've had this i've wondered if meditation when someone says they've gone into a blank slate um i've wondered i've sometimes interpreted that and i'm not saying it's not true but I've interpreted that as I wonder if they had so many thoughts going on at once they couldn't grasp one, so they thought they had no thoughts. I, you know, like it's very difficult too. Like this back to it. Like I don't know what the actual. Exp- I don't know if they. You know, we have memories of experiences too, and what they become and what they were. Like so, I I have touched silence. So, um, all right. So I did a dark room retreat many years ago. Um, spend almost three weeks, pitch black. I've been curious about this. I've met some people that have like shown me lava caves on the Big Island. And like, yeah, we have a guy that comes here and, and hangs spends ten days in there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that that guy must be <laughs> breaking normal. So what was this? Was it you by yourself or what? Tell me about um, this at the time. So this was at uh, Montauk Chia's place in Thailand. Um, at the time, I. Uh, so Montag Chia's work did get me into a lot of the things that I do, but I um, was probably kind of over and beyond what he was. Like, I feel like his not his stuff is a little bit piecemeal, and I'm not, um, I don't know. Um, let's just say, like, at the time, it was I didn't go there because it was his retreat. I went there because that was the only place I knew of that was doing a darkroom retreat. Um, 
And I went because I heard, among other things, that uh, you spend enough time in the dark. I, I think the general gist of it was your body produces all this melatonin, and then eventually, eventually you end up with a lot more endogenous DMT was the idea behind that. And I was fascinated with such things because... Um, yeah, talk about breaking normal. So my experience with breaking normal with psychedelics per se was that there was an entire, well, that our, our normal way of experiencing the world, um, is us being in a kind of a rut, you know, and we don't have the wonder of a child. We don't have all these things because we have all this, all these constructs that we're stuck in. And my experience with psychedelics, they, they break those constructs open and suddenly you see magic everywhere. You relate with things differently. And I was like, okay, so um, if only I could do this all the time, you know, that would be some, that would be liberation. That's the Kundalini awakening, whatever it is that breaks you free of the normal reality. And so I was like, okay, so maybe this darkroom thing is the, is the, is the trick, right? Maybe I switch my brain chemistry and get my pineal producing lots of these chemicals and I'll, you know, and I'll have a much more free existence. Um, all of that happened. And I also uh, came to realize that it was not really the point, you know, like it was experience chasing is how I ended up seeing like, and um, all right, so this is kind of deeper stuff. So, uh, there's, so in this process, the idea of seeking, um, um, sorry, this is, this is difficult to articulate because this is part of like the ineffable, like, um, we have our states, we have what we experience um and then we have whatever it is that experiences right so um and that's really like the real idea of awakening is 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 coming back to what you really are at your essence and what you really are at your essence has nothing to do with what you're experiencing um You know, if you were truly at peace, if you were truly free, it wouldn't matter if, um, you know, it wouldn't, like, it's not state dependent, right? Like, so we tend to be state chasing. We tend to want what we want. We want these experiences. We want these things. Experiences don't last forever. There's no end goal of experience. Experience is its own, it's, its own ride. What exists beyond the experience? And that's that which experiences. Um, and and that's something that's that's where you get to like you can't really talk about uh, like language fails. Like it's it's like you get in these endless loops trying to actually elucidate. On on the language by you, do you mean you? I mean that. I mean that. And then the, what's the difference between me and you? <laughs> I mean that. In I mean talking about. 
I don't know, talking about the root of experience. Like like a dog chasing his tail, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like there's, uh, yeah, it's a game because you're always moving away. You know, like here, let me, uh, yeah, let me, let me, let me find what was at the beginning by running off in this direction. It's absurd. Like you started there. Every attempt to like, every attempt to elucidate it is moving away from there. Like, uh, I don't know. I, at the, at the time and still like, and it's part of my, you know, ideas behind stories or whatever kind of being misleading is that, is that all of the, like there's, I refer to them as traps or whatever. Like everything is a distraction from what you essentially are. Like, you know, if, if you're, if, if ultimate peace is simply being in your nature, everything else is kind of a distraction. Or, or is it possible? I'm curious. I'm just giving it some feedback here. If, is it possible? Everything is reflection. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't mean that, like, I don't mean it to discount, like you're supposed to be in this, like nothing space either, because like your nature is present no matter what the experience is. But if you're looking for it, it's just crazy, right? Like, uh, like, uh, I've, I heard recently, what was it? Yeah. What you're looking for is what you're looking with my little mantra. And, uh, that came to me when I was in the dark room retreat is, um, you know, all seeking is for naught because the seeker is the sought. Like you can't find yourself. You are yourself. These are these are good things. The good uh, seeds to marinate and maybe discover those roots or find the roots or be the roots. But yeah, it doesn't give you a practical path. You know, we want like answers. We want like a clear, you know, do this, do this, you'll get this. And it's totally the opposite, right? Like it's get rid of everything you think you are and see what's left. Um, but it's also, it's also not important. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do anything, you know, like you are what you are. Like if your nature is, you know, in Buddhism, it's your, like your nature is Buddha nature. You don't need to realize your nature for it to be Buddha nature. Like there's, uh, yeah, there's, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to become enlightened. You don't need any of that. Like you can just live this life. You can experience your nature will be unchanged by it. Your nature is not tainted by doing something stupid. Your nature is not exalted by doing something wonderful. Like your nature is your nature. Yeah. And your projection is not my placebo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I'm such a. One of the ways I've navigated these difficult conversations yep. is uh, is, and you can take this as you will. For me, I speak about myself. Yep. And I've I've noticed when I say we or you, mm-hmm. and then I instead decide to say I, it feels different, and I, I sometimes it feels like more or less accurate what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, that could be a book title of my next book too. Your projection is not my placebo. It's just <laughs> planting that seed to sell something in the future again. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, bringing all these topics to the consider. Well, I, well, that, how, were you in dark for three weeks basically? Is that what you were? Um, yeah, but yeah, pretty close to, um, yeah, I forget the exact in number. In a room days, like or a cave or uh, um, with other people? Were you yes. eating? Were you 
so in Montreal, they had these uh, like condo things. Like it was a bunch of it was like a bunch of rooms with a courtyard, and they literally covered the entire outside with like um, you know some dark plastic, like trash bag like material, but just blocked out all light to the entire compound. Um, and they would bring in food like through the front door and you'd had to find your way to the food in the dark and then you could bring it back. And I, some people had roommates. I made sure I had a private room. Um, they had like classes on certain dreaming things and whatever else. I did not participate in any of it. I stayed in my room. I did a little bit of Qigong every day and I sat for most of the day. Wow. That's, that sounds like a courageous act. I mean, that would scare most people to even consider doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, like, do you want to do that again or anything like that again? What I mean, about like a lava tube by yourself in the big island of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty freaky. Like, um, and where do you go to the bathroom? How do you eat there? Or are you fasting or whatever else? Yeah. Like, have you, you, have you done fasting? Experimented with different types of fasting? It seems like based on what I'm learning from you, like fasting, uh, not speak, like not speaking for extended periods of time. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before the podcast that you've heard a theme about the semen retention. Oh, seminal retention. Yeah, Sem- so that's part of the esoteric practices I do because, and I think it was Montague's work, among other things, that first turned me on to those ideas. I now think that um, uh, I don't, I wouldn't recommend his work necessarily. Like some of it's good, but I would take it, I wouldn't take it as being too literal and I would be careful following his practices because I feel like there's certain trappings. Like um, he uses a lot of tension and other things to sort of move away from the ejaculatory orgasm. Um, certain types of tantra are very opposite. Um, and they are all about like total and complete relaxation to move beyond. Um, I think that there's some, there's a, actually like a blending of these different ideas. Like orgasm itself is, um, is created by a contract, uh, like a certain way of, con- it, it's created by both contraction and relaxation. Um, and I think, where I think these practices come in is changing the qualities of both of our tension and our relaxation, making them more profound and sort of changing the mechanisms. So for someone that knows nothing about this, let's talk yeah, about this was, like, this was a strange entry for this whole time. Yeah. The whole idea behind like the Taoist seminal retention practices and, um, and others is that basically that there's a loss of life force when a man ejaculates and therefore retaining your seed will give you more energy ultimately for what they consider like internal cultivation, like your cultivation. Uh, Jocelyn on the other day uh, touched on the topic of sexuality for um, your energetic body. Yeah, this is a great time for a plug. Jocelyn's podcast, we mentioned it. We scratched the surface of that. I would like, I love, have you checked out Rafe Kelly's podcast that I did? Oh, no, you had mentioned him. But yeah, I the natural movement. He, I think you will really, I would love for you to meet Rafe. Um, great guy, great family, great freaking podcast. So, and these topics, like, they, they all, there's a great golden thread emerging, I think, through these conversations. So nice. I'm loving surfing that wave. But back to, like, let's say we got a, somehow there's a, uh, a, a kid on here that just is ejaculating for the f- first time or he's just learned about masturbating or he's just having sex or maybe he was a very conservative kid and never masturbated and now he's finally doing it and he's and he's like wait is this guy telling me that I can orgasm without 
ejaculating semen out of me and what and you're saying there is a benefit of doing that but how would someone begin to even yeah uh, practice that and is um, it worth it should kid do you think kids want to explore this or is it more for someone that's in an elderly age or well, really the idea behind this was people who are really devoted to like spiritual cultivation i don't think it's necessarily something unless somebody's really attracted to it for whatever their reasons that people should feel like they have to do by any means you know if you enjoy your orgasms in your sex life or your masturbatory life and you don't have any issues great like by all means like you're not doing anything wrong um you know and there are different there are there's like there's different schools of mysticism too like you can um it's not about necessarily just whether you ejaculate or not ejaculate. Um, uh, orgasm itself tends to be rather overly focused for people. Like it's not like a whole body thing. It's, it's pretty isolated. Um, people tend to just hold a lot of tension. Um, you can have much more pleasure than you ever knew that you could have. This is true for everybody for the most part, unless they've been doing, you know, some kind of practice for a long time and they're already exploring that like in general like i mean every cell of your body actually has orgasmic potential people who have lost their sex organs or lost their ability to feel their sex organs because of spinal cord issue injuries um have actually managed to you know have orgasms in different parts of their bodies like men and women yeah yeah it seems like it might this might come easier for women yeah so women are already sort of naturally multi-orgasmic because they don't have um basically a refractory period which is what men have men actually there's a hormone that gets released after ejaculation that causes you not to be able to get erect immediately after and that's different for different men apparently there are some um amazingly blessed men who do not have a refractory period who can just have sex ejaculate and then continue having sex but that's obviously the most rare <laughs> well you listen to the brian kansas thing and i was telling oh, i was I saying when i if i continue stimulating myself after ejaculating <laughs> i mean yeah after ejaculating or orgasm i i like i feel i have to pee yeah and which is kind of cool because i get all that out of me i don't like to leave excess cum in my yeah it's actually suggested for i mean well it's suggested for women especially to pee after sex because it eliminates uh or it, it lessens the uh, possibility of bladder infections. But now we're talking about a whole other thing. Here I am getting rid of every, like, I don't want any <laughs> excess, but you're saying that I, I and others and you can orgasm without men, without ejaculating any yes. semen. Yes. And so where does one begin? Um, one begins with a strong will to, like, <laughs> actually engage in this because it's not easy. It's not easy to condition yourself not to feel like you need to have an ejaculatory orgasm as a man for most men i think there you know probably are a few men who it's not necessarily a big deal or whatever or you know there's always people who gravitate towards certain things more than others but in general um yeah i mean blue balls is a thing in various different contexts you know people can feel like uncomfortable or weird if they don't ejaculate um you know uh, I'll say, so I got into the practices both after reading the idea of, you know, increasing my vitality of, you know, I certainly had uh, illusions of, you know, whatever sort of mystical abilities one might get if they somehow kept all their chi or whatever. Um, I've moved away from 
from some of that stuff. But there was also a very clear component for me in that, uh, yeah, I just loved having sex. And when I would find, when I would be with a partner, this was, you know, as a teenager, and I'd want to have a lot of sex. And I'd have a lot of sex, and I would, you know, be having ejaculatory orgasms. I would do this for however many days or whatever, and eventually I'd be lethargic and depressed and I wouldn't really be as interested in my partner. I wanted to enjoy sex the way that I had three days ago, but it wasn't there. Um, yeah, this I just had a conversation with someone that's younger than both of us. I, I don't know how old you even are or and I don't care since I'm not going to share my age. <laughs> um, but definitely younger than us and he was his girlfriend came from out of town and he, he was like, how you doing? And he's like, man, I feel just like other than being so empty of every ounce of cum, <laughs> I guess I'm doing good. Like he just he seemed so drained and like how you're describing. Yeah, yeah. So this for that and for all him. that excitement that he had when she came to town or whatever. Now yeah. like what what's what's left right now? You know like did you know yeah. So so it sounds like you've th- that was part of your reason for maybe learning. Yeah, that was a the, giant part. It was like oh, there's another way. Like I could potentially have as much sex as I want and not drained and yes and now i can and it's not yeah are there any like hacks or any things that someone could focus on the next time they have sex after listening to this that i hear that just being aware of it and the idea of it am i willing am i willing to have sex and not ejaculate that may be the first question yeah and and i i think uh yeah touched on this before too like you know some people don't have control you know can't necessarily stop themselves from ejaculating at a certain point of stimulation or whatever like like this is part of that just body exploration you know like if you um if you want to be able to last a long time even if you want to ejaculate at the end like having knowledge of your body and some control over your body um or like knowing how your body works can be really valuable regardless of your end goal or whether you ejaculate or don't ejaculate um there are a lot of techniques to be found in different books or whatever. Like it is a process of self discovery. Um, but there are, there are techniques. So the techniques that I was kind of warning against a little, which I feel like are kind of emphasized in Montechia's work and others tend to involve, um, a lot of clenching of muscles and even does clenching of teeth and rolling the eyes back of the head. Um, you have to be careful with too much tension. You can stop yourself physically just with tension, but uh, tension on its own can kind of screw you up. Um, you know, you can you can hurt yourself in subtle ways or whatever else using too much tension or trying to force yourself your body into like compliance. <laughs> um, there are a lot of things that I've discovered that are not in any books, um, so. You know, this is, I, I feel like I, I'd need, uh, you know, most people would need time to even figure out what I'm talking about here. But in like yoga, there's bandhas and other things. I don't know how familiar you are with these, some of these things. Like it's actually, there's diaphragms within, there's a pelvic diaphragm. There's, there's our main diaphragm and your ribs. Anyway, you can actually, um, you can create a vacuum like you can create a feeling of suction in your lower abdomen and that feeling of suction, you can actually pull some of the blood 
out of your genitals when you're super excited and kind of bring yourself back down a little bit. Is this similar to a Kegel or very different? Or um, A Kegel meaning like the fe- if someone's not familiar with that, well, I, the way I would describe that is like the feeling of stopping myself from peeing, whatever muscles are flexed. Yeah, so that you can, you can stop ejaculation through that, but if um, you have to sort of strengthen those muscles to a degree, most people, like, um, it's difficult. And if you continue stimulating yourself, it's very difficult to override um, through just contraction. Um, the way I've been, I've been kind of thinking about it recently is, uh, you know, because it is a somewhat like, uh, some people might say that it, you know, that ancient people or whatever, that this was at some point natural. I don't, I don't know that there was ever like, you know, a golden age where everybody knew how to have non-ejaculatory orgasms or not. It's sort of irrelevant. It's another one of those stories. Maybe it speaks to people, but it's not not necessarily relevant. What would, what would that what would you be alluding to there, real quick? Like, oh, just that there's lots of stories. Like, um, you know, yoga says we're in the Kali Yuga, and you know, uh, there were these golden ages in the past where everybody maybe had like some, you know had these wonderful abilities with their energies and really knew their bodies and could do all these things. I Is that anything to do with Aquarius? Uh, what the age of Aquarius? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I know. Let me, I'm at least get back on the topic. Well, you're going to tell us about something that you might have explored yourself that you don't think is in books. Okay. Yeah. So, well, that, that, that specific thing that I was saying that you can create suction in your lower abdomen. I haven't seen anybody talk about that. Um, that that's actually really beneficial for other things too. So part of Nauli and other like getting in touch with your internal organs, like moving things around in your own abdomen. People who have stagnation in their abdomen, you can actually, um, you can create like dynamics of suction and pressure in different parts of your abdomen to move things around. Um, and. Yeah, and so specifically in this term, it, it's usually better to do this kind of thing before you're close to ejaculation or whatever. You can actually, like, you can, instead of getting to the point of, like, yeah, Montague called the point of no return. Instead of getting close to that point of no return where you're going to, like, long before, start, like, trying to circulate the energy around your body. Like, not have everything, like, go straight to your genitals, right, you know. I'm imagining that could be as simple as bre- breathing could be helping okay, yes. a lot with that. So that, that's actually foremost, like before any of well, whatever weird suction practices or whatever is, yeah, relaxed breath, breathing fully, deeply, like great for all of us all the time. But yes, especially like, um, yeah, if you want to keep yourself from, um, yeah, that, that uh, energy getting too concentrated, breathe, relax, relax the abdomen relax your whole body like let yeah let sensation energy flow and that's something you can practice you know whenever um and by the way i didn't mean aquarius i meant um atlantis atlantis yeah yeah so th- that would be possibly one of those <laughs> I ideas that we're like aquarius yeah <laughs> some ancient advanced civilization where everybody had whatever control over their bodily functions i don't i don't know <laughs> Well, definitely a lot to think about, and I, I'm not sure if I'm not even that familiar with Montauk Chia. Yeah, so he popularized a lot of the um, like Taoist practices, and he wrote a lot of books. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. it. It's 
interesting work. Like a lot of people gave him information and I think it was a little bit piecemeal. Like he got a lot of things from a lot of teachers and he was one of the first people to talk about a lot of things that are n that uh, were relatively secretive. Um, well, that's kind of that. And speaking of ages, to me, that's uh, the age that we're currently in is people that can curate or pro procure, like, w and distill wisdom that actually works with all the f and information out there right yeah. now. It's kind of a valuable skill to have. It is. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you, I don't know if you've seen, there's tons of women out now, like the Jade Egg practices have become mm -hmm. really popular. So, all of that was, as far as I, like, it comes from older stuff, but pretty much all of that moder in modern day is disseminated from Montechia's work. Like, that was kind of the, you know, that's where all of that stuff kind of comes from. And it's really interesting to me that a lot of the female stuff is coming to, popularity at the moment but a lot of the male practices which i would assume were more widely known or would be more talked about or i don't see at least being talked about as much um so yeah there's male genital weightlifting practices just like the egg egg practices meaning that someone would lift weights with their boner um no, that's what it sounds like, and you know, and, and that—that's another thing. Like, but, but no, this is actually. Um, that could be. A, so this is a good title for a podcast in there somewhere <laughs> about lifting weights with a bone or something. Could no. be crafted there. So it's generally used some kind of some sort of, uh, uh, yeah, silk or something is actually tied around both the shaft of the penis and the the back of the scrotum. So it's tied around everything. Um, it's more about. It's um, kind of more about the. Uh, it is really about the testicles in a great to a great degree but if you tried to tie something directly around the testicles it could be really dangerous like if it slipped or something you yeah. could really hurt yourself you talk about it Montag Chia stopped talking about this stuff among other things because some people were getting hurt you have to be very careful build up slowly um and there i I've, I've seen some other people i think there was some like um, martial arts people in San Francisco and you, I've seen some stuff online and there's some weird stuff too like guys pulling trucks and trains and things like just crazy ridiculous stuff and you can find tied around their whole yeah unit. yeah and you can find old Shaolin videos of them pulling like <laughs> rocks and things like wow. just weird weird stuff um, but there I, I don't know if there's actually been studies or not but um, yeah it's so there's a couple different ideas but among other things it's um, it's going back to like connective tissue or whatever that um, that from your genitals, there's connective uh, connective tissue going to all your major organs, going to the diaphragms, and you're actually stretching and strengthening that tissue and increasing hormone production um, and a variety of other things. Um, it's also taught that, you know, just like testicle massage, like women do breast massage, men do testicle massage, all these things are good for your sexual health. Movement. Movement typically is healthy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Keeping yeah. things moving. Definitely keeping things moving, and then, yeah, and then... Even down there, it seems. Yeah. And, and that, with air, I know, I know uh, at the spring, you're pretty much naked most of the time. Yeah. Is that part of... I mean, that just might be... Well, that's nice just to, like, not have this area of my body that never sees sunlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've talked. I've we've I've talked about that in so many different ways. I'm sure people are probably wondering how much can I talk about nakedness, but it <laughs> just so happens to be. It seems like a breaking normal thing that most people could benefit more. 
from. One of those things that a lot more people could do. Yeah, I've of. actually heard getting sun directly in your testicle stimulates product. T- I would be- I would believe that for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Based on my experiences. And yeah, I mean the sun's you know in general like at least in, in moderation, not beyond a certain threshold, is very good for you. I mean, even when I've seen my sun, my balls in the sun, I, they seem to move like little alien things when they're in the sun. Have you noticed that? Well, that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That might be like a heat thing, right? Because the, the, one of the reasons why they hang off the body is so that they're cooler than the rest of you. So you know, exposing them to a lot of heat will cause different. different yeah, they look things. very alive. In that, more <laughs> alive in that than most. Like, I don't think they're doing that right now. <laughs> but like, when I'm like they're in the sun, I'm like, whoa, those things are. They have a mind of their own. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then jumping back and forth into the cold water. Right? The, yeah, that, that, and then that's different things. Yep, yep. I think that's good for testosterone production too. Beginning in cold water, just ex- ex- uh, extreme exposure, and, and not too extreme though. Finding yeah. that balance where there's an edge. Well, and there's also just that factor of like tissues being, you know, cold will make everything contract mm-hmm. and you know tonify and. You know, oh, and a word of warning: if someone's inspired to put their balls in the sun and you haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely be moderate in the beginning. I don't know how many times I can warn that. I've, uh, I, like, yeah, maybe ten minutes max. Did you? If, did you get a sunburn? I, I think I have a few times. I've okay. noticed it when I'm like, what the freak is? Or my, <laughs> even my butt too. Like my, my between my, like my butthole basically. Yeah, if places it, that have never seen, seen sun. sun that, yeah. Like just a few minutes might be enough, especially to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't overexpose any area. Like even after being, you know, indoors for the winter, you shouldn't, you know, <laughs> take any of your body out. Of yeah. The sun immediately too too long or whatever well it sounds like you're pretty it sounds like you're definitely guiding people to learn for themselves but for this topic if someone is like oh, i want to know more about this where is, is there a place that you would a specific book or an author or a teacher or yeah and this is the issue where problematically like there are actually a lot of places seemingly that you could uh direct women right now and i'm much less aware of places where men can go for this information um <sighs> Montauk did write a tried to make this commercial and wrote a book called The Multi Orgasmic Man. I've heard that phrase. So yeah. that's one of his books. And it, yes, okay. and it got kind. Of, he was trying. I think he was trying to appeal to mainstream, and a lot of it's kind of weird. If if you if you want to look at his work, I would do what was it? Um, I forget what it was called, but it it has a more elaborate sort of Taoisty title which is you know the cultivation of male sexual energy or something like that um it's definitely a place where you could start um looking into it uh i mean if if i'm gonna plug great books that have interesting things about sexuality and other things um one of my favorite books ever and one of my favorite authors is uh desire the tantric path to awakening by daniel odier and he talks a little bit more about um that whole book is great for getting in touch with your body and having a it's it's deeply spiritual but also um really deals with the sensate and talks about some of this stuff from the tantric perspective which is really more about it's really more of a letting go it's much less engineered like the montag chia stuff and you're saying the sensate Sensei, so just relating to the senses, like, you know, finding, you know, getting in touch with reality through through sound and touch and taste and feel and all of that. Yeah, which a big ad- That's a big part of what we do to our retreats is to get people to throw away the labels of emotions and sensational and amplify their sensations, whatever they are. Amplify them and get rid of the story. 
Yeah, yeah, and this part of yeah, why I was talking about stories in the beginning is I or tell a story that's fun and empowering <laughs> instead of like Yeah, well that's great too. You can you can certainly like I mean but yeah, like stories can be great and, you know, and uh yeah, for that like they can propel you, but it is that kind of we use them often to counterbalance like a negative story with a positive story. Um but as long as you're kind of doing that pendulum thing to me, that's not getting closer to truth necessarily. You're 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 using stories as like a medicine, you know, or whatever to balance out, you know, yeah, to balance out a negative with positive, or or do this or that. But you know, truth is paradoxical. Truth encompasses all of the things. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't supplant one thing with another thing. Yeah, um, a, a story that I've lived by about truth and the way that truth comes in. A reality comes in different dimensions, like the literal, the metaphorical, the paradoxical, and then the creative. And I think the real, the breaking normal would be like, can I ignore everyone and create my own story? Yeah, yeah, and can, or, and, or or adopt the ones I want. Just, but can I, can I be the creator of my stories? Yeah, yeah, your sovereignty. Oh, and or can you can you. Like, what would it be to even be without a story? Can you even conceive of that? Could you, you know, what what would that look like? You know, and oftentimes, like, to me, like, when you are having a direct experience with your senses, there isn't a story, right? Like, oftentimes, we'll make a story later if we have, like, especially if we have a profound experience, then we make a story up about it. But the experiences themselves have nothing to do with stories necessarily. It's like an echo, an echo kind of an echo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I'm more, I definitely have one more question. I know we're getting to that hour and 11 mark here. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you're also quite experienced with those esoteric practices around psychedelics. If someone has never done psychedelics and I, I maybe this is once I, I have a feeling your answer might be like what you're called to or what's intuitive or but I'm curious what you'll say. Do you have a protocol for someone that might be like, I want to, they want to become a psychonaut or they want to become like their, they want to unlock their pharmacy, their inner pharmacy by using exogenous, exogenous substances. Um, and they have never done anything. Like the most they've ever done is a cup of coffee. Yeah. Would you give a protocol of sorts? Like what if someone, would you say, oh, you should go smoke DMT off a toad first or should you smoke <laughs> ganja, then have mushrooms and then go have ayahuasca and then have a larger dose of mushrooms and then. Well, definitely uh, I would probably, you know, like, um. Yeah. Uh, full disclaimer, I don't recommend anything. No. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you don't have to recommend anything. I'm yeah. just curious if you, maybe like your little cousin or someone that you really care for, 15 years old, is like, I'm going to become a psychonaut. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, what you just said about marijuana or something, like, and there's plenty of places where even that's legal now and that whatever, that, like, somebody would be well off, certainly, I think, to, you know, at least try marijuana and see how they deal with their consciousness being altered in general. Um, Cause I think it's a difficult subject. I think people, some people very naturally um, feel, feel safe. I, I don't know if safe's the right word. Like um, some people feel like adept at navigating some of those realms or at least like that, you know, they're not, uh, they feel confident in themselves in doing that. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of information now about like because a lot of this stuff is being used therapeutically and whatever. Um, I don't. My main thing is treat things with reverence. You know, like d don't. Uh, I mean, I assume anybody who is like, I want to be a psychonaut isn't going to go to a rave and do a bunch of drugs. That's but maybe they would like. I don't feel like those experiences are a good idea. Like, you know, like being out in nature, I feel like is a really good idea as far as like the set and setting. Like, I was just about, now that I was asking you that, I'm like, well, I definitely want to make sure to mention the set and the setting just in case if someone is literally, even though we're telling you not to take our advice <laughs> and we're not recommending anything. The set, I will say my experiences of a ganja and plenty of other things are, am I in a setting that's very, like, as natural and as supportive and as safe as possible? And that's helpful for my pers me personally. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people are out in nature and they feel really, like, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, I feel like you are, I like, we're out in nature and we feel very comfortable and alone. Substances are not substances. I, there are people out mm. there who are out in nature and True. have an underlying anxiety just That's about true. being in the woods or whatever it is. In which case, I don't recommend you necessarily do anything except under supervision because, you good, know, good because, disclaimer. because that anxiety is not going to go away. If anything, you're going to have to face that really head on. <laughs> That's that's a good setting, and that's a good disclaimer. And I will also say one thing: just to, if you're gonna, you want if someone wants to do mushrooms, not not at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, I, I've free I've like I, it's amazing that I'll be like I've had mushrooms. I've eaten some sort of mushrooms every once in a while, and I'll be out taking a walk and everything. I just feel like I'm cheating on life a little bit. Like I got the edge. I'm like I'm more creative. I'm quicker. I'm faster. I'm seeing things. I'm like, am I seeing through time? And then I go into and then I went into the mall. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this place? I gotta get. I like freak it borderline freaking out by just that scene, that change of scenery. Yeah, yeah. That's way, that's way too much of weird information to be coming in. Um, yeah, that's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really because it is an inward journey, like having a whole bunch of outward noise or whatever, I feel like is not really conducive to actually being a psychonaut. Like, you know, like there is an element of exploring your consciousness and how it reacts when there's a bunch of random information coming at you. But that's not, a, you know, that's less of a exploration of your own inner territory, but and more of just like, how do I deal with crap when I'm, you know, when I'm out of it or whatever. Yeah, it's. You know, there's people who, Alex and Allison Gray made those, like, blackout glasses. There's people who do, you know, therapeutic LSD sessions with as little sensory input as possible. Like, kind of, you know, the idea of the dark room or whatever. Like, where, you know, you go inward as opposed to going outward. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I really think that's where psychedelics are at. But certain things with, like, mushrooms or whatever can really m give you... Uh, amazing sense of communing with the natural world as well yeah and i was also alluding to very small doses just like those sub perceptual like can i barely tell i'm on them and um i when i when i was at the mall all of a sudden i could tell <laughs> <laughs> oh you were you were micro yeah and i was just like wait a minute what the this is not like I, am i what am i on yeah or where am i <laughs> i feel like yeah even microdosing whatever yeah you are subtly more open to whatever is going on and yeah, and uh, yeah, the 
the mall isn't good even if you're totally shut down in general like it's not a natural environment it's not someplace anybody ever walks out of feeling more complete in themselves <laughs> well man um there we are when one it was right when i looked down it was one 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 i think one hour 11 minutes 11 seconds i guess uh you're not promoting much it sounds like but if people want to keep in touch with you what is yeah the... um yeah so uh my instagram is m-a-o-t and uh two underscore lines um so yeah if anybody wants to get in touch they can do so Awesome. Yeah, well, um, and also, I trust that n- no one found too many answers in this, but more questions. And I think questions can be sometimes more expansive than pretend answers. So thank you. Thank you for helping me and maybe yourself and probably plenty of others yeah, question my, more. My pleasure. I love this medium. It's nice just to have a conversation. And if people, other people enjoy the conversation, that's wonderful yeah feel free to reach out to either one of us on instagram leave a review those reviews are good for the uh the amplification of the message so if you believe in the message amplify it by leaving a review on itunes sharing it let us know let us know what's up all right much love to y'all and thank you matthew yeah thank you see you at the spring (laughs) (laughs) this boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.